I, I hear the uh, obviously the the targeting squares are bigger for console, I guess, or something like that. It boxes the size of buses. That's the one. And aim assist. And aim assist for those troublesome thumb sticks. I was trying to think of a different word than sticks to make that sound amusing. And thumb I can think. Thank you. Columns, pillars, thumb pillars, thumb pillories. Thumpers. I think that'll do as a bumper. Oh, yeah. God. Hello and welcome to Dangerously Unprepared. I'm Simon, and joining me are Jack, who is drinking grapefruit juice. Don't stop me in the middle of drinking grape. It's not grapefruit juice. <laughs> it's grape juice. It's, it's it purple. could have been grapefruit juice. It, it, it's sugar water purple. It's good. Hello, Irish. Hello. Who I presume is not drinking grape or grapefruit juice. No. And Rob, who's drink, drinking tea. I'm drinking really hot tea as well. It just burnt my mouth so bad. I thought this would be funny. I'll I'll take a sip to sort of like mirror Jack's conceit. And it just went really badly. Excellent. So <laughs> now Yay. we've established what we're all drinking. <laughs> oh, dear. So I saw a couple of things. Uh, that I want to talk about quickly before are we they, get going. Are, are yeah, movies? go. Movie stuff. Yeah. I haven't seen movies, but it is about movies. Oh, okay. Oh, no. Is this to do with this, one of the things to do with what I linked you earlier on today about? Uh, no. Although, actually, let's mention that as well. Yes. Uh, the Japanese cast are going to be doing the Japanese dub of the Ghost in the Shell live action movie. Oh, that's, that's cool. The, that's the, the cast of the anime. Yes. Yeah will be doing the dub. So if you watch Ghost in the Shell live action with the Japanese dub, a, a Japanese woman will be playing Matoko Kusanagi, which is fairly revolutionary as an idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I might watch it that way. With subtitles, obviously. I, I'm not fluent in Japanese or, or even not fluent. Oh, hi, I, I don't know Japanese whatsoever. Konbanwa. Unlike my colleague here. Yay. But no, did you see the casting announcement for Deadpool 2? No. Yes. No. Uh, Zazie Beats has been cast as Domino, who I was not expecting to see in the movie. Oh. I love Domino, but also, who's Zazie Beats? And I, I, I swear I know that name. Uh, I didn't know the name, so no. I think that's perfectly fair. I know. Uh, she's I apparently from something called Atlanta. Oh, uh, but I don't I know. know what that is. It's, yeah, it's, that's um, Donald I know, Glover's. I, yeah, I was about to say, I just know it as that Donald Glover show that isn't Community. Yeah. Cool. So she's from that. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know who she is, but what I did see immediately was a bunch of people complaining that they'd cast a black girl to play Domino, <laughs> who had very pale skin in the comics. And I noticed these people were not very vocal about the fact that in the first Deadpool, they completely changed Negasonic Teenage Warhead's whole set of mutant abilities 
I, I wonder what their actual agenda is for complaining. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I think I think it might be that they're a, a big bag of dicks. Could be. Yeah. That's fucked. But yeah, Domino should be a, a lot of fun. Because yeah. she was half of the inspiration for an old RPG character of mine, which we have talked about on World 1 Stage 1, Chaos Theory. Oh, of course! Yep, just oh. the preternaturally lucky special ability. Yeah. That's <laughs> really cool. Um, still yet to cast Cable, though. Yep, that's the next announcement to come. Hmm. Oh, well, they probably have, but they're just keeping it quiet. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they've cast it, but the the announcement is yet to come. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw, like, some re- it's a really good mock-up, and I don't think he should be him, but he looked quite good in this uh, artist rendition of Russell Crowe playing him. Um, and he, he looked pretty wow. badass, but also, I'm scared of Russell Crowe, so I would say that. Now, my next bit of movie stuff I saw today is is directly connected to Deadpool 2. Right. Because Deadpool 2 will be directed by uh, a man called David Leach, who is taking over from Tim Miller. Right. Now, David Leach doesn't have a huge directorial background. Uh, like, at this point, I think the only full-length film he's done any directing on, and it was uncredited as a co-director, was John Wick. Ooh. But at the same time, John Wick was pretty good. Yeah. I love it. And what he does have is over 80 credits as a stunt performer or stunt coordinator for things like Buffy, The Matrix, uh, X-Men movies, Hitman, Jupiter Ascending, Tron, Legacy, uh, The Bourne movies, The 300, V for Vendetta. Um, He's like the stunt guy then. Fight Club, in which he stunt doubled and stunt coordinated, doubling for Brad Pitt. So he's a stunt guy. He knows he's what a, he's doing yeah, with he's a action. Stunter. Yeah, definitely. And as I said, he will be directing Deadpool 2. However, before that, he has directed a shortly forthcoming movie, which I completely passed me by. I didn't know this was getting made. Atomic Blonde, starring Charlize Theron, based on the Oni Press graphic novel The Coldest City. So, yeah, I saw that literally, I think, yesterday, and I, I was really surprised. I, I also did not know that was getting made. I have heard of it. I, did, I know little of it, but I had heard of it, so I was surprised. It looks really good. Has yeah. anyone else seen the trailer? I yeah, yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, well, I'll give you the, the full background. Uh, the Coldest City is a graphic novel written by Anthony Johnston, published by Oni Press. Anthony Johnston, as a writer, is probably better known, actually, for writing the story behind the Dead Space games. Oh, oh um, yes, I, I, I recognise for the name now. There were some, some guys I used to hang out with who used to work in a game studio, and they'd met Anthony Johnston because he was writing something at the time, another something to do with another game. He was work i don't know i'm babbling he was working on something that was being turned into another game at the time mm. That's what i mean he's thought. written for a few games uh, yeah. shadow of mordor he wrote for binary domain um but he has written a lot of comics as well including as i say the coldest city which is 
It's a really nice book. It's heavy black and white. You know that Frank Miller art style? Yes. It's very that style in terms of very heavy shade. Yeah. And it's set right at the end of the Cold War in Berlin. And it's about um, an MI6 operative who is sent to Berlin uh, named Lorraine Broughton, uh, who is Charlize Theron's character in the upcoming movie, who is there on the day the wall falls. And it's full of... It's like um, if Bond met Bourne, except that the lead character was a woman. Sold? Yeah. It's full of really, really good action. The trailer does a very good job of selling that. It's got Charlize Theron, James McAvoy, John Goodman, uh, Toby Jones, who I really like. And if you don't recognize the name, it's uh, Zola from Captain America. He's a good actor. He is. Mm. Uh, It's looking fantastic. And it's just hit me out of nowhere. I was like, okay, what's this? That seems familiar. That that is based on the coldest city. What the hell? This is awesome. They're making a coldest city movie, and that is a, a solid cast as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah, John Goodman. Like, there's a, a fantastic moment from the trailer that sells the sense of humor as well, which is Shelley's and McAvoy uh, just stood next to a sort of overturned car. Uh, it's the bonnet's crushed. The boot is way b- up in the air. And McAvoy dragging a thug along the ground just stops to go, oh, let me help you with the bags. And opens the boot, which just collapses open. The bags tumble onto the ground and Shalice Thron just sort of rolls her eyes and goes, fucking hell. <laughs> and it's, it's got that British, dry, sardonic humour in the middle of real John Wick level action. Love it. It's good. Yeah. I will be seeing this movie. Yeah, it does look pretty great. Not a Reddit, though. I'd recommend it. Uh, and the sequel, The Coldest Winter. Ooh. Um, do we know, is it, uh, you might have already said, I might have just missed it. Uh, do we know who publishes it? or? Um... Yeah, it's Only Press. Oh, okay. I don't know that name. Oh, you should. Only Press um, are one of the indies that do really, really good books. And I have a feeling that you probably have heard of some of them. Uh, for example, Only Press published um, uh, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, uh, yep. <laughs> yep. That's probably one of their better known ones. Wasteland? Uh, yes, yeah. Which is also Anthony Johnson, if I remember correctly. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, I, I'm feeling really bad now. My Only Press knowledge is off. Oh, they do the Invader Zim comic. Oh, <laughs> wicked. <laughs> which is fairly fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, cool. All right. Well, no, that sounds great. And it's it's good to see that there's more of the uh, not Marvel or DC stuff getting adaptations mm. as well. So, Sweden Country is another fantastic only one. Oh, okay. Um, and also Rick and Morty, the comics, are published by Oni Press. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Which, That's seeing as it is on our list of topics... To do a show about, it's worth mentioning, I have now caught up with all of Rick and Morty, and I'm ready to go on that one. Yeah, it's a great show. It really is. It surprised me a lot. I'm glad. Really strong (laughs) sci-fi sort of storytelling uh, mixed with, obviously, insane, horrendous comedic elements. It, It... 
ended up being I, I didn't know quite what to expect. There's a lot of Adult Swim stuff that I don't get on with. Yeah. And I sort of, from the first couple of episodes, was expecting it to be another one of those. I was expecting to drop out after a few episodes and go, yeah, I, I'm glad people enjoy it, but it's not for me. Mm. And then the Dan Harmon-ness of it started to really ring through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. And I was sort of caught side-eyeing it, going, wait a minute. I, I see what you're doing here. Oh, and stuck with it. And it was a much cleverer show than I was expecting. It's a very clever show. <laughs> mm. um, so yeah, listeners, look forward to a Rick and Morty episode at some oh, point. Oh, there definitely will be one, yeah. Because uh, I, yeah. I want to do an episode now. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This needs talking about. I, I get what people are saying now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, everyone's been telling me for ages how good it is, so they don't need to hear it, but I need to tell them anyway. Definitely. <laughs> and <right>. also, <laughs> it, will, it will be nice because I believe it's back in April. Season three begins in April, I think. Yeah. So that's good. You haven't had to wait as long as the rest of us, Simon. That's very true. I've lucked out there. Yeah. So that's all right, isn't it? Um, yeah, so that's cool. Um, what else have people been doing slash seeing slash playing slash um, reading? Not not playing so much at the moment. Uh, but I did see uh, I saw two movies recently. Saw John Wick two. How is it? I've not seen it yet. Um, I'd say not. I I would personally say not as good as the first film, but still still uh. quite an enjoyable madcap explosive action ride. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't. What it, I've heard from other people is it's it's more of the same. Yeah. But whereas the first John Wick really benefited from being a really pleasant surprise. Yeah. This one doesn't come out of nowhere, so it yeah. is more of the same, but it doesn't have that same no, uh, novelty factor. For me, it, it, it felt like there wasn't as much momentum as there was in the first film. Like the first film, you were really um, behind him. Like you, you really wanted to see that revenge happen. Um, yeah. Whereas this one, like I don't know, I don't know why, like uh, the the, the it, it's again a revenge film of sorts, and right. depending on how you look at it, you could see that the cause for the revenge is even bigger than it is in the first film. But it just doesn't feel as urgent. I don't, I don't know what it is. Is it because? Because I've heard the one thing that I was a bit, uh, well, I've been looking forward to it, and I still want to see it, and I don't really want it spoiled. But I hear it's a bit more world hopping. Do you know what I mean? Like, he goes to different yes. places. Yeah, because yes. the first one, doesn't it all take... Well, it's not one night, but, like, it's over the course of, like, a week, isn't it? That it, he it, just... all takes, it all takes place in New York. Um, this yeah. one, I mean, the second one does reveal that there are... Again, it's not spoilers or anything, but there are Continentals. You know, the, the hotel from the first one. Yeah, 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 there which are, I there love. Are con there are Continentals everywhere. Awesome. That's just, that's just the Continental New York. There is a Continental in Rome that he visits. Oh, that's pretty cool. To which the okay. basically again, not not spoiler. It's probably just my favorite line in the film, which is just uh, the um, the owner of the Continental in Rome, sort of sitting John down, saying, "Of course, you are welcome to stay here as long as you want. I just need to ask you one question: Are you here for the Pope?" <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 got it's got some really good moments in it. Um, it's yeah, really odd. Also, the fact that it like would have been a, it it would have been an eighteen in this country, but they cut out a, a few seconds um, to get it down to a fifteen. Right? Huh. Yeah. 
What are those seconds contained? Uh, very, very, very apparently quite graphic imagery in a suicide scene. Oh. oh. Yeah. Uh, so that was interesting to find out. I was like, oh, I forgot films did that. Like, change stuff just to change ratings in different countries and how different countries have different views on things. Yeah, yeah. So more people can see it, basically. Yep. Um, and also... The larger paying audience you can get, the more money you can get. Exactly, uh-huh. exactly. <laughs> Um, and also, I went and saw Logan. Which I, I've heard really surprisingly, amazingly good things about. Yeah. It was better when it was called Children of Men. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've come to the conclusion that I did not like Logan. Oh. Um, just It just really, really didn't sit well with me. It, it's, it, it's, it's such a... The best way I can describe it is like, it's... Was that a motorcycle or was someone haunted? Oh, that might be because I'm sat in my living room and my living ah, room is next to the road. I do apologise. Cool. That's that's cool. Um, yeah, so the only way I can think to describe it is how the people that made Logan looked at Deadpool and went, Oh yeah, right, brilliant, we can we can we can do something mature and 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 you know, take the take the shackles off and really go for it this time. Yeah. How do we do that? Oh, I know. Let's have Wolverine say fuck every five seconds. Like, oh. guys, there is way more to it than that. Um, well, I and, heard and, it's because he murders a whole bunch of people, but oh, absolutely. that's in absolutely. the trailer, so... <laughs> action scene-wise, action scene-wise, they basically look and go, okay, what would happen if we had a movie that was mostly Wolverine fighting people? What would that actually look like? What, what would Wolverine fighting people actually look like? Because... How it is in in X Men One is very different, you know. Like the, back in uh, was it ninety nine that I came out? Yeah, you know, it's him st- stabbing people, but there's very I don't think there's any blood. It's just you yeah, know, you don't claw, you see claw claw away and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Snicked, snicked. Whereas this, it's just like a whole lot of people get stabbed through the face. Wow, and there's like skull deformations and everything, and yeah. Oh. Oh, it's it's all manner of fucked up uh, in terms of violence. See, I've maintained for a while that Logan, as a character in the comics, is at his best when he's mentoring a teenage girl. Yes. Now, that seems to be the situation in Logan. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. He's not mentoring a teenage girl. In in this again, like going back to my children, men in the same way that Clive Owen was was mentoring. I forget the name of the girl in Children of Men. I've not yeah. seen that film since its release, so I don't remember. <laughs> I, I want to say Yandere or something like that. Yan Yande or something like that. Um, so he's more escorting her he is, rather he is than mentoring her. her. Yeah. Uh, that's that's disappointing. She does. She does. Yeah, like he's I, mentoring. I'm I'm kind of feel like I've made the right decision then, because I was invited to go see it, and I thought on reflection, whilst it has surprisingly positive reviews, I can't bring myself morally to give money to the people who make the Wolverine movies. Yeah, there is that. So I was, I was going into wondering, is this going to be like, you know, uh, Days of Future Past and First Class and Apocalypse, or is it going to be like the Wolverine and Origins Wolverine? I've not seen either of those two films. Uh, I will be honest, uh, but from I've I... seen part of one of them. Right. Uh, I saw Wolverine Origins, but that leaked copy where they hadn't finished all the CGI, which made it even funnier. 
Um, yeah, it's, some bits of it are good, some bits of it are really, really clumsily done. Um, there, there is a scene in a shack in 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 rural America because you know that always goes down well in a Marvel movie. Um, it, that was a farmhouse, not a shack. Okay, th- sorry, this is a farmhouse as well. My bad. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. Um, it, it it has. I just want accuracy in your snark. Yes, sorry, sorry. I, I should hold myself to a higher standard. Um, <laughs> Certainly a higher standard than they do. Yeah. Also, don't don't go into it. Don't go into it expecting Old Man Logan the movie. Yeah. Oh, no, I never would. Yeah. No. no, no I, 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 I I think I started off that way, and then I saw them change it from you know uh, based on Old Man Logan to inspired by Old Man Logan, and I'm like, okay, it's inspired by Old Man Logan in the sense that Logan is in a car and there is an older man with him. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Gotcha. Even he technically is the older man. Yeah, well, yes, yeah. Yeah, so that's weird. Although, fucking hell, Patrick Stewart is terrifying in that film. See, I, I love all the interviews he's doing about how he felt safe in <laughs> Hugh Jackman's arms. Yes, he he, he gets carried around a lot, and and yeah, it's rival uh, style. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a oh, it's a very intense film to watch. Times I think. Like not saying whether we liked it or not. When I asked Rowan what she thought of it when we finished watching it, she sort of thought for a while. She didn't. She didn't give indication one way or the other as to whether she said it was good or bad. She just went, "I hope we don't see another film like that this year." Okay. Which see that not, makes me want to go and watch it. Yeah, it's not a damning indictment. It's just that it, that film is. Uh, it'll take a lot out of you. See, I love that kind of film. I love intense, uh, harrowing stuff. I would, I would describe it as like punching a block of ice for two hours. <laughs> it reminds me of your visceral reaction to seeing District 9. Yes, it's not as clever as District 9, I'll give it that. Um, well, no, it's a Wolverine movie. But it is depressing and emotionally draining at times. I think... I, I was I wasn't as emotionally invested until like literally the last thirty <clears throat> seconds when there's some horrible cheesy shit going on, and I was like, just sitting watching, going, okay, yeah, this is this is quite cliched, and then I suddenly a little little thing just clicked in the back of my mind that went, hey Jack, you've you've kind of grown up with these films, haven't you? You've, you know, you 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 were you were really little when uh, when the first X Men film came out, and it's this is it, this is the this is the end of the line for these films, and I was like, oh. Oh yeah, and then just sort of the little thing just kicked in there. There's sort of an end of an end of an era. How was Daphne Keane as presumably as X twenty three? Although I haven't seen that um, confirmed anywhere. Uh, let me just let me just double check. Um... <laughs> what do you mean? You've seen the film? I have. I I forgot the name of the 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 actor. Yes, yes, X twenty three. Yeah, because um, she's only credited as Laura. Yes, so, which, which uh, is pseudonym. Um, it, it it is X twenty three. It's in the it's in the trailers, so it's not even a, a spoiler. Oh, okay. Was it in the trailers? I, I know she has the claws, but yeah. I didn't know it was confirmed that she was twenty three. In the sense of she is, uh, she's got the Wolverine claws, but is a girl. Yeah. They, okay. Gotcha. Right. Um, they give some kind of weird. I I don't know if they, it's really. It's so strange. They try and give some explanation as to why she has the claws in her feet. Like, Professor X is giving this explanation about how lionesses use their front claws for um, hunting, but they use their back claws for defense. And, and rending. And, 
and that sort of stuff. And that's exactly how the girl uses them. But at the time he's doing it, he's kind of just rambling on in the back of a car and everyone's sort of ignoring him. So it's it's given as very weird... Expo- it's either given as really weird exposition from a really bad scriptwriter or a really good scriptwriter just writing a goddamn stream of consciousness from, like, <laughs> Professor X going... Uh, well, that would be a spoiler to say anything or more on that. But Well, it's all... Uh, I mean, I guess as it's exposition, but it's sort of hand-wavy comic book exposition where you've sort of got to explain why they have the power, but it isn't really important. She just has it. Was yeah. it more like that? Yeah. Uh, there, there is an explanation later on. Um, okay. Well, that's yeah. not... Because I intend well, to go and see yeah. this. So, I, I would say I would say go and see it. Um, okay, it's a good. It's I'm going to wait for Netflix. Yes, that's fair enough. That is fair enough. Um, there's, some, there's a good soundtrack. There's some good effects. Um, it'll it'll emotionally drain you in parts. Uh, it'll infuriate you in other parts if you're anything like me. Um, yeah, and just just I mean just be prepared for the word fuck to be said literally every other line. Okay. Hugh Jackman has a line of dialogue which is, and I quote verbatim, fuck, 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 shit, shit, fuck, shit, fuck. Yeah, but the opening of Four Weddings and a Funeral is not very different. Very true, but also in the the opening to Four Weddings and a Funeral, they're not beating the shit out of a car with a shovel as well. That would have been a very different film. That would have been a very different (laughs) film. I'd buy a ticket. (laughs) Just replace car with, uh, I was going to say Hugh Jackman, but no, that's Wolverine. I'm thinking of that other one. Who's the other Hugh? Hugh Laurie? No, the one from Four Weddings. It was there a guy with oh, right. um, um, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant was he in Four Weddings <laughs> and a Funeral? He yes. was, yes, okay. yes. I've never seen it. Very famously, he did the whole bit with Andy McDowell in the rain, doing a stammering, charming Englishman thing. Oh. Yeah, that was the forging of his career trajectory for the next ten. It really was. Years. Bless it. It established the type to which he would be cast. Yes, uh... he made the mold. And then did it again and again and again. Are you saying... Yeah, he of... made the mould and refused to break it. He just sat in that mould and made an awful lot of money. He I did mean, make fair, an awful we, lot of money. We, we've we all been there. We've all sat in mould and, you know, refused to get up and move. That's true, yeah. I just resigned ourselves to it. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I didn't make any money from it, though. <laughs> So that's good. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought, Jack, you saw another film. The film that I saw Sam Jackson getting into a bit of trouble talking about lately. What's he gotten into trouble about? Oh, I, see, I can't actually remember the, what the film is, uh, but it's that fella who played Tea Leaf in Psychoville. He's in a whole bunch of stuff. Really good. Um, What's Psychoville? Oh, it's, a, it, it's like a um, spiritual successor to the League of Gentlemen. Um, oh, okay. Uh, Oh, God. Oh, I can't remember his name now. Basically, that- uh, Sam Jackson was asking the question, why is a, a black British dude playing an African-American part um, in the film? Oh. Yeah. Um, is, oh, is that... Is that oh, get, get out. out. The... the, the, the um, oh, what's his name? Peel. No. Yeah, yes. Uh, basically, yeah. Uh, that. No, I really want to go and see that. I don't think... Is that out yet? I thought you were going because I I swear I saw you put a thing up saying you were going to go and see John Wick and that. No, no, no I said uh, I saw John Wick two and Logan in the same night. Um, I see. But I will be seeing Get Out as soon as it comes out because, and it's very similar to to um, the extra reasoning of going and seeing Deadpool two, which is 
I was I saw the trailer for Get Out and I was like, oh, that looks really interesting and fucking terrifying. I really want to go mm. and see that. And then I just saw the responses from Americans who have seen it because it's been out over there. And they were all just like, oh, it's it's anti-white racism propaganda. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm seeing the hell out of this film now. Yeah, uh, don't make me want to go and see a horror. Also, oh, 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty good. Yeah, it, it's it's incredible. Are you, are you aware of it, uh, Simon? I am, yeah. Yeah, it's the whole it's the idea of being like the, the terror involved in... You, know, you should make people terrified of the mundane and all that sort of stuff. It's it's the terror involved in a car slowing down. Yes. Like holy Ooh. shit, that that you know, a car slowing down or someone smiling at you. See, that's that's you, that's when you know horror's been done well, like subtlety and well written. Oh, it's uh, not yeah. just jump scares and you know. I'll tell you what, you've done really well because you've managed to thematically link to last week's episode, which you were neither on nor have heard. Shit, what happened? What did you guys talk about? Well, we were talking about Doctor Who and how a lot of the best Doctor Who makes the familiar and the mundane scary. Oh, but who's scared of of mannequins? That's what I want to know. Or statues. Uh, Uh, Or shadows. (laughs) Or shadows. (laughs) Something in the corner of your eye, but we didn't get that far. Uh, Yeah. Who turned out the lights? (laughs) We got that one. I remember New Who. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I will be going and seeing that when it comes out over here, which will be at some point, I'm sure. Wicked, uh, man. Tomorrow I will be going and seeing uh, Kong. Oh, yes, excellent. I'm glad someone is. That's good. I think I want to see it, but I I, I, I kind of want to... I'm basically playing catch-up. I still need to see John Wick 2. I still need to see Logan, and I also want to go see Kong. So I guess I'll watch them in that order. Yeah. But it's got John Goodman in, so once again, you know, like, I watch things with John Goodman, he's excellent. He is. He is a good reason to go and see a film. Like, I've not seen um, 10 Cloverfield Lane, but I kind of want to just because it's a small set, small cast piece with him. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Like, that enough is a reason for me to want to see it. Yeah, definitely. Huh, uh, just think about it. I was. I haven't actually got around to seeing that either. So, hmm. I might watch that tonight later on, maybe. So it does not look like uh, Get Out is showing in Cheltenham. Really? That surprises me. Yeah. So it's going to be a huge. It's like a huge hit. Like I thought it was like everywhere. Yeah, that really it's not be a huge hit if it's not in the cinemas. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, like you know what I mean, like a not a, maybe not a blockbuster, but you know what I mean, like a mass release sort of deal. You know, not like a limited release sort maybe, of. Uh... It looks limited. I just looked up show times for it myself, and it's not showing, as far as I can tell, at my nearest cinema, which yeah. is not a small yeah. cinema unless, by any means. Unless That's fucking just... typical. Unless it's coming out. Like really, 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 really long time from now. Seventeenth uh, of March. So it should be our next Friday. Hmm. Right on. But yeah, I would recommend people go and see that. Great! Hooray! Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone else seen or done or played? Oh, I've played. You played? 
I've played. What have you played? I reckon it's it's worth mentioning because I'm I'm at the ending but haven't finished the ending. So no. I'm far enough in to give my opinion, but I could still be surprised. Uh, Torment: Tides of Numenera. Oh, oh, sweet! Oh. How is it? It's really, really good. I don't know what it is. I obviously know it's Numenera, but like I don't know what kind of game it is. You know, like what genre of game? Well, the Torment part uh, ties it thematically to Planescape Torment. All right, and it is that type of game. It's an isometric RPG of the old school. Oh, well, it can... uses the Pillars of Eternity engine. Um, oh, and it's the creators behind Planescape Torment using the Numenera setting to do a very similar exploration of personhood, uh, responsibility, the meaning of a life—not the meaning of life, but the meaning of a life. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very, very nicely done. So, I don't know if this is something they've invented for the game, or whether it's a part of the lore of Numenera. So you guys might be able to help me with this. Okay. Is the changing god a significant part of the Numenera lore? Uh, Not a part that we were told about, but then we didn't get a very in-depth... Okay. There were a bunch of different factions that we didn't explore, yeah, so... Well, he's pretty central to this game. Okay. The changing god is a person who is cheating death, because they have developed a technique where they can transfer their consciousness from one host to another, and they discard the old bodies. However, upon being discarded, the old bodies develop spontaneously a fully formed consciousness of their own. So a new being is created with hazy memories of someone else's past, but they are created as a fully formed adult, and then have to make their way in the world and they're all marked with a tattoo that signifies them as a cast-off of the changing god, which means that people will have strong feelings about this guy, because he's kind of Rachel Ghoul level, he's been around for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and he's fucked over a lot of people. Uh, so you kind of carry that stigma with you if you are one of his cast-offs. And obviously the cast-offs... A generational, like each one is either older or younger than all of the others, so some have more or less to deal with and have been dealing with it for a very long time, because it turns out the cast-offs don't really die either. Uh, the Changing God makes the bodies uh, capable of self-regeneration and capable of all sorts of abilities, because obviously wants the best kind of body for themselves. And you play the last cast-off. The most recent cast-off... That could mean, or it could mean, thematically, the last cast-off. Like I said, I haven't quite finished the ending, but I get a feeling I know where it's going. Yeah, that's cool. I just did a really quick bit of research. The reason why we might not have heard of it is because the Changing God, I believe, was introduced into Numenera in a, a edition that came out called uh, Tides of Numenera, the Explorer's Guide, which I believe is... Yeah, Torment, Ties of Numenera, The Explorer's Guide. So maybe this book is linked to the content that's shown off in the video game. It could well be, because the tides are also a fundamental aspect of this game, and I don't know if they're a part of Numenera in general. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, They are sort of dominant personality traits that are represented by colour, so 
silver is greed and also ego and self-importance and it is that promoting yourself above all others right then there's gold which is empathy um and justice and red is action and impulse and uh throughout the game it doesn't have a moral system but everything you do affects your tides so your dominant tide can shift Oh, that's cool. And depending on your tide, you will get different dialogue options, different options in general for things you can do, and people will react to you differently. That's right. Really uh, because cool. it's an old school RPG, there's a lot of reading, a lot to read. Yeah. Luckily, they're talking about very interesting worlds, very interesting people. Uh, every character who has a name has a lot to say. So there's obviously like mooks walking around with the name Mutant or Bloom Dweller or Caravan Guard, and they don't necessarily have a lot to say, but anyone with a name has a lot to say, and the majority of them, I'd say, have quests attached as well. Oh, wicked. There's, there's a lot to do here. Uh, it's, it's hard. It is not an easy game, although I... I do feel like I made some poor choices early on with my character skills and such that made it harder for me than it needed to be. Uh, but well worth sticking with, I found. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it's asking the same kind of questions as Planescape. It gets really deep into uh, interesting philosophy. And one of the things I especially enjoy about it as a game, dying is, like in Torment, uh, Planescape Torment, dying is a mechanic, not an ending. Huh. In this case, uh, the last cast-off has sort of a mental compartmentalization called the labyrinth, and when you die, your consciousness retreats into the labyrinth, and then you can come back when your body's regenerated, which to you appears instantaneous. But whilst you're inside your mental labyrinth, you can converse with the various entities that are there. It's only one to start with, but you might find ways of putting other people there. And you can gain strength from them, you can learn stuff whilst you're dead, you can gain stat boosts whilst you're dead, and you can come back stronger. So there are times when you're just looking for a way to die, so uh, that you can get inside your own head. That's really cool. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, thoroughly recommend it. Hmm. Definitely, we're gonna have to get you it like in, to play the uh, the tabletop game, Simon. Because like, it seems to me like this is your game. Like, this would be for you. It's uh, yeah, it's really good. It, it's interesting. I I really kind of like. I dig the feel of it being an almost fantasy setting. It almost has that classic fantasy setting. Yeah, like a nano is a wizard. There is no question that they are a mage, and they are perceived that way in the world. And the world is a barter system, it is quite primitive. It just happens to be full of incredible far-future tech that mm. most people don't understand. Yeah, It makes it very interesting. Mm. No, it's good stuff. And yeah, the uh, the random trinket stuff you can get as well is, is amazing. I wonder, do they, do they happen to have any of the... Uh... The wicked artifacts in that game, Simon. Is there like any customization in that regard, or is it not really that kind of game? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can go to a surgeon, a uh, surgeon, and have various upgrades done. You can nice. have a mechanical eye. You can have 
uh, replacement. You can have nanites put into your blood for restorative abilities. Uh, it's quite fun. One of the first surgeons you meet is incapable of lying. So ah. he'll say he'll explain exactly what you're getting and then say, and this process is going to be really painful. <laughs> um, uh, there's also like bonded artifacts that you can pick up. Uh, you can only carry a couple of those, and they have very interesting abilities. One of them was a quantum entanglement ring, which I found super useful because you put one of the quantum entanglement rings on a companion and one on yourself, and whatever positive or negative, unfortunately, um, modifiers get applied to one of you, get applied to both of you. <laughs> so I applied it to a companion who has an ability where she can phase herself out of reality to make herself a lot harder to hit. Mm -hmm. And whenever she did it, my character also phased out of reality and became much harder to hit. And if you heal yourself, and I had armor that um, automatically healed me for a, for a small amount of points when I got hurt, usually, because of other reductions, it was roughly the same amount as I got hurt by, it would heal her as well. Unfortunately, if one of us got knocked down, we both got knocked down. So pros and cons. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I like that. There's also ciphers, which are incredibly powerful artifacts uh, that can only be used once. They consume themselves on use. Uh, because you don't really know what they are. So you break them as you use them, usually. Or they are just consumable item. So I did accidentally use one in the middle of a fight that dealt an enormous amount of damage in an area of effect. And one of the fun things about Numenera is things will describe their um, effects accurately, but not always exhaustively. Yeah. So when it said deal 28 damage to all targets within an area of effect, it didn't mention friendly fire. <laughs> so I did nuke myself. But... Uh, Luckily, death is not the end, so it was more funny than anything else. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, that sounds weird. There, there are some bugs. Okay. I had one particularly annoying bug uh, where my character became knocked down uh, during a fight, and it was a mechanic, like, after a couple of turns, you will get knocked down, but my character refused to get up. So I couldn't leave the area or win the fight or lose the fight. Uh, I just stayed knocked down and had to quit out and reload, and it took me several times to get through that encounter. Although, hilariously in that fight, because I had to do it so many times, and sometimes I would suicide to get out of it, which means I had died, but I would go back into the fight. It started the event over from the beginning, but remembered the progress I had made. So there is a moment during this event when portals open and people appear. Now, in the first time through the fight, I'd killed them all. So the portals opened and a bunch of corpses fell out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate when that happens. Wow. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Which was, frankly, hilarious. But I think that was poorly executed on their part, but it was hilarious rather than game-breaking. Yeah. Oh, that's Rick and Morty-level shit. <laughs> yeah, the only fights you can't avoid are called crises. Um, so you get crisis initiated and then you're in combat mode. But not every crisis is a fight or has to end in a fight. You can use powers of persuasion to end them without combat, usually. Not always. Uh, sometimes you can also use stealth to avoid the fight entirely. 
for example, the very first crisis you'll encounter, one of the first things you can do is talk to the person who decides to pick a fight with you. Because I can you spoil the very first thing that happens in a game? Because it's the opening act. It's the same thing you'll encounter the first moment. Right, don't mind. Anyway, go for it. As the cast off, you are born in midair, plummeting to your death. Huh. Um, and and of course you do, and then you die, and you go inside your head, and you regenerate, and it's fine. And that is how you learn that dying is okay. So the first crisis you get into, one of the first things you can do is say to the person attacking you. Um, it's an intellect check, deception slash intimidation. Remind this person that they are fighting a woman who fell from the sky and lived. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. Yep. Oh, great. Oh, I'll check that out. Looking forward to that. Hmm. But uh, I suppose the headline news of this episode is what Irish has been playing. Irish, would you like to tell us, or the listeners, about a particular phone call you received the other week? Sure. I mean, listeners will remember from the last episode that last time I got the new Zedler. Zedler. For the Nintendo Switch. You licked it for our entertainment. I did <laughs> lick it for our entertainment. It was great. Oh, wow. But, um... How was it? Bitter. Adventure tasting. Yes. Oh, fantastic. I'm, I'm happy with that. So, I have... I've had the Zedler, but no machine to play it on. Yeah. Because I was, you know one day out of getting it for initial launch. So I had to wait. And I was expecting, you know, weeks, maybe months, because Nintendo stuff like this tends to take a while sometimes. But literally, the next day, I was sitting at home with the family. My phone starts ringing. Local number, not known. And it was like, Dubious whether to answer it or not, but I chose to. And I was like, hello. <clears throat> I was like, hello. And they were like, is this Mr. Is this Mr. Payton? And I was like, yes. Ah, this is uh, the manager from Game Store Cheltenham. Uh, we have a Switch for you if you'd like it. And in my head, I was like, fuck yes, I'll take it. <laughs> but uh, with Evie being around, it was more like, uh, yes, please. I, I would have just imagined they were like, we've got a switch if you want it, and then just suddenly there's like this, this fucking Irish-shaped cloud sitting in the chair. I just like that there are various philosophies that suggest there are universes in which you decided not to answer that call just in case. Yeah. Yeah, wow. There is there is going to be a universe there, yeah, there where I didn't... I chose not to answer the call, yeah. We call that the sad Irish universe. <laughs> the sad Irish universe. I mean, the reason behind that is because... Recently, I've been getting a lot of stupid PPI calls based in Cheltenham. So, yeah, they were lucky I actually answered it this time. Well, I was lucky I, was answer I actually answered it this time. Can you imagine if you answered it screaming down the phone, I don't want your fucking PPI, and then <laughs> hit, they terminate the call? That would be bad. That would have been bad. Mm. But so, not about what ifs. You got it. You yes. clutched it in your palms. I did. I, it I, belongs to you. 
I rushed out, I took Evie with me, so she could spend her birthday money, as it was her birthday the week before, and um, uh-huh. I went and got my Switch, and she went and got some My Little Pony toys, and we came back, and she went to play with those, and I went to play with my toy. So obviously, uh, we will be doing a full review of those My Little Pony toys. Indeed. Absolutely, yeah. that's the headlines that we are, are going for. I that like what the pink one. <laughs> but before we get into that, how is the switch? Yeah, have you licked it? Not have the switch. Oh. I've not licked the switch. I've li- see, I licked the Zedler, but not the switch. Lick it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! They only coated the cartridges, not the console. How do you know? I don't know. I suppose. Yeah. Lick it. There's only one way to find out. I'm sinking down at the moment. <laughs> Can plugged... you only lick standing up? <laughs> no, I mean, it's plugged in across the room. I'd have to get up and get it. Do it! For science. Well, it is a portable. It is a portable console, isn't it? So I mean, let's talk about that. Have you taken it apart yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, because then I wouldn't be able to use it. It'd be in pieces. Well, no, doesn't it? I thought it like I thought it like broke into two or something. You could take the front off it. <laughs> Is that not how you do no, it? No, it just has a dock that you can plug <laughs> it into, and the dock plugs into the TV. Right, oh, yeah. Oh, that's clever. Within the kit at the start, you get the Switch tablet. You right. get the two handheld controllers, which are called the Joy-Cons. Yeah. You get a controller grip, so classic controller grip to pop the Joy-Cons into. You get, obviously, your power cable, your HDMI, and you get the dock, which is lovingly known as the toaster. Ah. Uh. And the dock itself is literally just a plastic container. You know, it, it's designed to charge the switch and connect it to the TV. That is its purpose. But it doesn't make toast. It does not make toast. Okay. Yeah, I mean, at the time when we first sort of saw the speculative images of it, people were saying... Oh, maybe it'll have an external GPU that's more powerful than the internal one, and and so it'll get better performance when it's docked. And people had all these theories about what that dock would actually be capable of. Uh, but no, no, it, it doesn't do anything like that. It literally just charges it and connects it to the TV. Mm-hmm. And perfect. So all the power is in the switch. It is. The power was inside it all along. And uh, I love it. I generally love it. I think it's a fantastic piece of kit. The... So it's a good thing that you told me this, because if I ever got one, the first thing I would have done was snap it in half. <laughs> yes, public service announcement to all our listeners. The Switch console does not actually break in two. No. Yeah. Try that. It breaks well, it in can, three. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The bits that... <laughs> come off it are the Joy-Cons. Which is a great name. It, it, it is, is, but it it would it makes me think of, like, if there were Transformers whose entire job was, you know, uh, sexually Keep servicing other Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> See, you say it's a great name, but it just, it's the most Nintendo name. Oh, no. I'm, I'm saying it with a certain level of, uh, sort of levity, that it's a great name. I think it's a fun name. They're fun and a nice name. Yeah. 
It's certainly a Nintendo name, yes. Yeah. Do the yeah. Joy-Cons, in and of themselves, bring you joy? Um, I've yeah. heard they have terrible signal processing if you put them in your butt. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, terrible... a genuine article I read. What's tra- <laughs> what? Signal processing, yes. Uh, in my butt. I don't know. I've not actually done that part myself. God, dude, dude, you're supposed to be our specialist on this. <laughs> but, um, yeah, because they are Bluetooth controllers, the range is poor on it, unfortunately. So when you're using it, because uh, the Joy-Cons come off the Switch itself yeah. and attach to the comfort grip, mm-hmm. or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, so when you're using it as a secondary controller, separate from the device, and the device is docked, mm-hmm. you get is that where the range issues come in? Yeah, basically, if you've got anything, not always the case, but if you've got something blocking the switch from the Joy-Con, so it's in a cupboard, let's say, you can have dropout. I've not really experienced it myself, but they they pretty much released a day one update patch to help increase the signal. Yeah, I've, I've heard various complaints about the Bluetooth on the Joy-Cons. Mm. Uh, some people uh, speculate that the way you hold it can cause problems. Yep, that can be a case. Uh, oh, some really? people speculate that having Bluetooth enabled on your phone and your phone too near the controller can also interfere with the signal. Mm. <laughs> With that, I think it depends on um, what model of phone you have. Because an interesting fact about the the Joy-Cons and the Switch Pro Controller, uh, because they're Bluetooth, you can actually use them on other Android devices to play games and stuff with. Yep. So, potentially if you've got an Android phone or something along that line, if you've got that your Bluetooth phone connected to that, it might be trying to connect to that while you're using the Switch. And that could probably cause some sort of confusion. Uh, works with uh, Macs as well. Yeah. Because Macs support Bluetooth controllers. Yeah. There isn't any confirmed um, uses for iOS yet, but that probably forthcoming. Uh, probably not. Game controllers on iOS are incredibly locked down uh, to certain standards, so I would not anticipate that. Fair enough. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if someone develops a app for it. Maybe with specific apps, mm. possibly. Mm. But that's not what we're here to talk mm. about. Is it not? We're here to talk about how... In Breath of the Wild, if you go up to a dog and run in circles, the dog also runs in circles. It does. Oh my it's god. Amazing. It's yeah, if you if you walk up to a dog, drop some meat in front of it as a gift, it will eat the meat and be your friend. Ah. Uh, and then you mm. use magnets to launch it into the air. If it's made of metal, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god. Breath of the Wild. Um what oh, we've just summed it up. If if you run in circles, the dog runs in circles. Yeah. What more do you need to know? Like, wow. Game of the is year it, right is there. It, is it amazing? Is it as amazing as everyone is saying? Well, let's put it this way. In terms of, like, stuff done, 
I've been playing it since last Saturday. I, you know, pretty much every night, varying levels of play during the day and stuff. Because that's the great, another great thing about the Switch. I take it to work for my lunch break. Oh my god. Yep. So you know, eat my food, pop that down, pop up the kickstand. It's a built-in kickstand, and then take the Joy Cons off, and away I go. <laughs> more so more cool. Zedler. <laughs> Bit of Zedler on the lunch break. That's incredible. Yeah. Christ, I took it into work on the Sunday after I got it, uh, and actually brought it down to the shop floor, and then. Proceed to sell the last three switches we had available for sale to three guys who weren't going to buy one until they actually had a go of it. Ah, so you demoed it. That's a good yeah. job, man. And they were like, sold, I'll take it, and Zelda, and whatever. But, um, yeah, so I've been playing it since last Saturday, and in the grand schemes of the game, I've done yeah. basically fuck all. Well, I was going to say, let's let's start it's from the start. It's so though. big. So what is the conceit of Breath of the Wild? What right. is the ocarina of time for this one? What's your purpose right. in the game? The game starts with, in classic Zelda style, of Link. And that's one thing about this one. You have no choice in the matter. You are called Link. Oh, okay. No, that's fair. Yep, because it's this game's got voice acting in it. And oh, really? Yeah. Beyond, he speaks beyond like, well link doesn't speak so okay. much he's still his silent protagonist with apart from cool. the, you know, the yeah yeah but yeah. other characters in cutscenes will speak so zelda will speak and impa will speak and so on and so on right uh see you start the game by waking up out of a cryostasis. Part. Out of cryosleep. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, are you, you know, you start off and you have, essentially you're wearing boxer shorts. Lycra boxer shorts, like skin tight type thing. That's all you're wearing. Hero Although shorts. if you paste for the DLC season pass, you could very quickly change into your Switch branded t-shirt. <laughs> I, I didn't know that was a thing. That's hilarious. Yep. Link wearing it's a, a red Switch Nintendo t-shirt. Switch brand T-shirt, which <laughs> apparently takes a lot of the 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 edge out of a lot of the cutscenes. The immersion, <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Um, and then you proceed to an, uh, go to exit this room you're in, and the first thing you pick up is from a pedestal is uh, an item called the Sheikah Slate, which is a switch. Which is a switch. It's a tablet. It's a smart device. A Zelda tablet. And um, next room, you get a bit. Uh, you have a couple of chests, and you get some worn-out clothing to wear to add some defense to yourself. And you get taught about this is where you learn all the basic things like equipping items and stuff like that. And then you get to go to leave this area. And you get to, uh, you climb up a wall, which you find out about the fact you have stamina. And that, you know, Link is now fucking Spider-Man and can cling to any fucking surface and climb. And then you leave this, this, um, cave you're in, this, this, this temple or whatever it was. And you get taken out, you 
lose control for that for that second and it takes you out on top of the hilltop to show you Hyrule and it gives you, you know, the title card, Legend of Zelda, the Breath of the Wild. And when I was doing it, I was originally playing it in my you know, holding it in my hands, um in handheld mode. I then turned I knew this scene was coming, this bit was coming, so I turned to Jen because she was playing on the Xbox and I was like can I plug it into the TV, please, for this next bit? She sort of looked at me and was like, go on then. I was like, like a giddy child. <laughs> go on then, you have a new game, come on. Just, yeah, well, she was playing Assassin's Creed. So she An was like, old game, it doesn't, oh, mm-hmm. what? She has, she was in control of the TV, because the great thing about the Switch is I don't need the TV to play it. Uh. So switched it over, plugged it in. And I got a big 50-inch TV, so it was just like, watching that bit on a big screen was like, oh, it's so pretty. Oh, so pretty. And then after that, it lets you, it gives you back control, and you are pretty much left to essentially almost do what you like. So you make your way down the mountain, and you pick up, pick up your first items, such as a tree branch or an apple, all this kind of stuff. And you meet an old man in a small cave who teaches Ua. Ua, who teaches you some basic Who touches tips. you inappropriately. <laughs> I like your t-shirt, boy. Especially if you haven't covered up your boxer shorts. Mm. <laughs> yes. That's, that's the thing. Depending on how you dress, characters will interact with you differently. Oh, that's pretty cool. There's, like, there's a character you meet um, when you eventually get to Kakariki Village who is a young lady who is a bit, is saying a bit shy, is up there. Um, but if you take your clothes off and just in your boxer shorts, she gets really embarrassed. Funny that. Mm. No one else in the village seems to care, but she gets, I think she, just puts it like, I think she has a little thing for Link. Duh. And um, so yeah, you meet this old man, he teaches you some things. Uh, and you get let out as the world a bit more and you find a temple and it's the temple of time but it's all ruined and decrepit and destroyed and you're like what's happened there's these giant robots buried in the ground you're like okay this is weird what are these and eventually you end up uh, you meet the old man again he sends you over to this place to, he sees he's got the tablet on you and he goes, go try this out over there and you pop, go over to this area pop the tablet in into a dock and it, you then end up shooting up into the air in a giant tower so you basically activate a beacon and they, you see them across the world all popping up and they're kind of like uh, to use Assassin's Creed as an idea like your synchronization towers so basically you go up there Activate them and it shows you more of the map. And like gives you a fast travel point, all that kind of stuff. And then from there, the old man reappears again and he gives you, uh, he comes down the paraglider, which is one of the key items in the game that you can get. You know, helps with uh, getting across chasms, slowing you with the scent, all that kind of jazz. <laughs> See, that looks like the fun bit, like mm. snowboarding and then using that. <laughs> the snowball is great because you're literally shield surfing. Yeah. You literally have your shield out, 
press the jump button, press A, you put the shield underneath you, and away you go. So Although, there is item degradation, and that's not good for your shield. No, that, Really? Yep. Oh, um, that's cool. Unless you're, unless you're in snow, or if it's raining. If it's raining, it can help. It won't do, do as much damage, but if it's snow, it doesn't damage your shield. Awesome. Um, and basically, he sends you out to go... Because um, when you activate this tower, all these mini shrines activated and basically the idea there is that he says you dare to go and get he goes do you want the paraglider if you fetch me the treasure from this shrine you can have it or from the shrines there's four in all to begin with and uh from there you go in and you find out it's a trial and it will be stuff and uh you'll get a new ability. First one being, well, he suggests one for you to go to, but you can go to any of them, that sort of thing. But the one he goes to, you end up getting magnetism as a power. So using the tablet, you can now pick up things made of metal. And then drop them on a seesaw and catapult dogs into the air. Yes. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, no. I mean, yes. you can solve puzzles and... That treasure chests from the water and stuff like that. Yes. Solve puzzles like why is this dog not in the air? <laughs> why am I not in the air? Yes. Which is actually a viable thing in this game. Huh, so, I need to get up this mountain quickly. What can I do? Oh, there's a plank of wood there. So Ooh, and a rock. This is the game where Link can't swim, but he can fly. He can swim. Oh, okay. As long as you've got stamina. When you oh, run out of stamina, you drown. <laughs> And he sort of oh. just, he just sort of end up back on the shore. Yeah. Does it go to that circle? It, it goes like like a a circle, not a circle wipe, a screen wipe. But the never mind. I know what I'm yeah, talking I, about. I, I, it happened in the old games. It went into like, a little circle and then you're on the ground again. Like a, like a fade type thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> all. Yeah. Um. So you get that power. You go to level one. You get the, the abilities to create bombs. Um, so you don't have to worry about running out of bombs in this game. They're literally infinite, but you just have to wait for the timer to refill. And they are... You get two types of that. You get a round bomb and a square bomb. So it's like... Okay. What do the square bombs do? The same thing as a round bomb, but it's square. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, well, once for like, I don't know, like magic enemies or something. Or... No, no. It's no, just, just of, the same. It's just a case of... Um, you they can, explode. They explode, but the, you can use strategy with them. So, say there is a group of monsters down at the bottom of a hill. Right. I can roll a bomb at them. Right. So one round one. Yeah. One, one is round and one is square. Right. Okay. And the square one would be better to sort of, if I needed to place it on an exact spot for something to blow up. Perfect. The round one obviously will move away, where the square one will not. I'm with you. Uh. And you move on, eventually you get the ability to um, stop, you get stasis, you get the power to stop some uh, an item's movement. So say you got in a puzzle where there's a giant boulder coming towards you, you can stop it from moving for a period oh, of time. That's cool. Another cool thing about it is, though, say you got a boulder, because boulders are what the challenge give you, something. there's a boulder in the way, and you can't get around it, you can't push it, what can you do? Well, Use stasis on the boulder, and then you keep whacking it with a weapon. Or a dog. 
or a dog, yes. And you build up kinetic energy in this stasis lot item, boulder in this case. And then once it runs out, it then catapults away from all of the pent up energy. Oh, that's really cool. So you charge it up in stasis, and then all that energy is released. Yep, that's really cool. I like that. So it's like a, a very slow form of Gambit's power from the X Men. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah. And then the final power you get is uh, cryonysis. So basically, you get to create ice pillars out of water in any in uh, bodies of water. Oh, okay. So, you know, you need to get hop across a lake. Let's say you can create a pillar to jump on, and so on and so on. Um, interesting enough is that the cryo uh, in this game temperature will affect Link. So if you go into somewhere that's snowy, it's cold, and you will actually suffer damage from the cold because you oh, are not wow. kitted out for it. If you end up somewhere where it's too hot, you'll end up getting heat stroke, and you'll get damage from the heat. <clears throat> so you have to kit, kit yourself out in correct gear to combat the weather. Now, at the, like I said, the final power to get at the start of the game is the ice power, and it's up in a snowy mountain. And at this point in the game, you've got nothing to stop you from getting hurt by the cold. So as you're right. exploring this area, I forgot to mention, the reason you want the paraglider is because the start of the game is on a plateau, a raised plateau. And the only way down into the rest of the world is to would be to jump, but you would die. So you want the paraglider right. so you can get off the plateau and carry on. Um... So, as you're exploring this plateau, you end up finding, like, a cabin. And you go in there, and you find out it's the old man's cabin. And um, there's, a, there's a book on the table you can read, and it teaches you about a recipe that he came up with that can fight the cold using uh, meat and fish and the chilli pepper. Because in this game... And Link discovers a new recipe! He does! Because in this game, you don't... You cut the grass. In classic Zelda games, you cut grass, what'd you get? Hearts, cut. rupees. Oh, okay. That sort of stuff. Yeah. Cut the grass in this game, you don't get any of that. No rupees, no hearts, nothing like that. Huh. You might occasionally find a fairy, or a cricket, <laughs> or a lizard. But the thing... <laughs> Um, the and big... then you can catapult that lizard into the sky. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was literally waiting for it. I was like, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> oh but, man! But um, a big thing about that, because of the fact you don't find heart hearts anymore, of that is that to replenish your hearts if you get damaged, you need to eat food. Oh, okay. So you can so you can collect apples from the trees. You can hunt animals get meat you can literally just grab fish out of the water um there are all sorts of mushrooms you can find fruits nuts uh all sorts of bits um and you can eat them as they are and they will restore maybe half a heart or a heart or whatever um but if you then if you go find a cooking pot you can combine food together to make a meal and that oh, will replenish 
that will replenish more hearts. And the more of a particular... Say you put, like, um, four apples together, it would give you four hearts rather than the one in a single go. And apples are abundant in this thing, so it's not like... It, it's one of those ones where it doesn't matter if you use them all. They're easy enough to get again. Mm. Um, and certain foods give you status benefits. So there's certain fish that will boost strength or boost your defense or boost your speed and so on and so on. But you can also craft um, elixirs that, again, are stat boosters. But it could be stuff like um, help you defend against the cold or defend against the heat or make you more stealthy or... Um, Make you make you swifter, and so on and so on again. Make you swifter, and, the flowing river. <laughs> and uh, when it comes to making those, you combine the critters you find, so such as the lizards and the insects and whatnot, with bits of monsters that you recover. So you might get like a a creature's claw or tooth or horn. You know, much in the way that. Oriental medicine uses animal horn and that kind of stuff. Anyway. Yeah. Same sort of idea. Um, so you find this recipe for this combination to resist the, the heat, uh, the cold, but he's actually forgotten one of the parts of the recipe. Oh. The whole point of that is that you go and make the recipe, go up and speak to him, because... The thing about this old man is that he keeps appearing in out of nowhere. Yeah. So you could turn up at this house and he's not there, and you know he shouldn't be anywhere near it. Because last time we saw him was like the other side of the the play the, of the land. Right. And you walk out of the hut and he's there at the fire. Oh. And you're like, how did you? Okay, it's getting weird. And um. Well, I saw you in your boxer shorts, and I decided to follow you around. <laughs> and then um, he, uh, you speak to him, he goes, they're cooking pots there if you want to use it, you're more than welcome to. And it'll come up, you got, you'll get some dialogue options, and it'll come up with, I cook something. You click that, and you show him what you made, and he goes, that's that dish that I wanted, what was the missing item? And you tell him what the missing item was, and he's like, thank you for finding it out for me. Here is a gift, and he gives you a new piece of clothing, which has cold resistance. <laughs> and thus the grooming begins. <laughs> and then um, you, you get to go up. Then you now have a warm piece of clothing that will stop you from dying from the cold. Ah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, you know, and uh, then you can go up and get this power, and so on and so on. That's my favorite recipe in Breath of the Wild. I've not played it, but I've yeah. read bits and pieces and heard a lot of people talking about it. Is obviously you combine different things to get different effects. Mm -hmm. But one of the easiest recipes is omelette, which is it, it requires one bird egg. Yes, but you add more eggs to make more omelette. Yeah, and it's just the more eggs you add, the more hearts it restores. Yes, and some eggs might add other properties to the omelette. Yes. Um, That's amazing. You can hold up to five items at a time to make a, uh, a recipe. Um, Jim, it's a case of 
in the omelette's case, you'd have, let's say, four eggs and a mushroom. And a mushroom will be one that either boosts your strength, boosts your defense, whatever. <laughs> and that will make the omelette have you give you X amount of hearts and a stasis booth buff. And all the buffs are timed. And it gives you it gives you like the timing on the screen, so you can see when it's going to run out. Yeah, and um, you can't when, you, when it comes to cooking stuff, you can't mix two different uh, stasis abilities together. So, if you want something that boosts your strength, and you want to, you think, oh, I'll put up a defense item into there as well, it won't work. It will cancel each other out, right, and and fail the recipe. Now, I say fail the recipe, you still get food at the end of it. But whereas in the normal recipe, it will give you a nice looking picture of what you've made. If you fail the recipe, it gives you a pixelated picture of a purple and green plate. Ah. And it's called dubious food. (laughs) That's great. And it goes on to say along the lines of, it's not inedible. I don't think it will harm you. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Now, Irish, you've yes, stumbled across you, you... an interesting point. You say uh, this will be able to harm you, and this is something that I've always loved uh, the latest Zelda games, or at least mm-hmm. the combat. Right. I like targeting things and doing yep. backflips. What's yep. the combat like in this one? You can target things and do backflips. They've added in... Well, they didn't add in. They've brought back stuff like if you target an enemy and you, you know, dash to the side as they are attacking you, it goes into slow motion and you can quick hit it. You can quickly hit the attack button over again and you do like a flurry special attack. Oh, yes, I've seen that, yeah. Or you can do... um, like a shield bash, not their weapon away, all that kind of stuff. Can you take their weapons and throw it at them like in Wind Waker? Yep. Oh, can, see, that's awesome as well. You can you can combo them and knock them off their feet and they'll drop their weapon. You can then pick it up to make it your own weapon. And if you want to throw at them, you can do. Um, as Simon said, weapons, uh, weapons, shields, and bows and arrow, bows all degrade in this game they're, they're degradation wow. so that you know uh, some stuff obviously lasts longer than others and some are, and some things are better the master sword is pretty sturdy I don't know because the thing about the master sword I haven't got it yet but yeah. obviously I've got my statue that came with my collector's edition the master sword is rusted and busted to as fuck oh no because mm. Basically, the plotline of what what's happened is, um, once you've awakened from this sleep and you've got out and you get off the the uh, the plateau, you make your way to Kakariki Village to meet Impa, who, in for Zelda fans, will know is a long-running recurring character in Zedla. Uh huh. Um, and she's been waiting for you. Uh, not not your descendant, not your whatever, you specifically. And it turns out that you have been in this cryosleep for a hundred years. Damn. 
because um, 10,000 years ago, the people of Hyrule and the Sheikah clan worked together to imprison Calamity Ganon. In much the way that, you know, Zedler works of the princess and the hero combining forces with, in this case, the four tribes of the world to defeat Ganon, seal him away. And since then, they've been keeping him at bay. A hundred years ago, he got loose. And you were the knight, one of the knight's guards, and you were the princess's personal bodyguard. And, you know, you were the hero. And you had the uh, the four defenders, the champions of the, of the four tribes. And you eat, they each had, um, I guess, the giant robot animals in this one, because I haven't really got to it yet. But the, the four token guardian creatures of this world are... Lots of things are robots, giant robot animals by the looks of it. And you lost. You were defeated. Uh Ganon took control of the of the guardians and killed the champions. You were gravely injured. And uh Zelda gave you to Inca Inca Impa to somehow save your life. While she went back to fight Ganon by herself. And a hundred years have passed. Mm. And a hundred years have passed and she's still fighting Ganon. Keeping him locked up at the castle. But his power is growing and he's going to break free. Now, using the Sheikah technology, they popped you into this chamber of restoration to heal you and bring you back. It took a hundred years. And in a hundred years, Link has lost his memory. So you don't know any of this has happened and you're slowly having to relearn it as you go along. See, I'm glad they've caught, they've kind of, they've kept to what from what you've just said they've kept the classic overarching themes of zelda which obviously it's the age-old story of the hero of time uh having to return to defeat you know the ancient evil ganon but it sounds to me like with the all of the new elements of the game in terms of the gameplay the combat system the crafting system mm-hmm. the survival system it sounds like a really wicked experience and i'm very envious mm. this it's is the bit... first time i've been i've wanted to really play a zelda game since twilight princess maybe or yeah. yeah and and as it stands i don't know where it fits into the zelda timeline because there are bits in it that uh harken to wind waker mm. But there are also bits that reference Twilight Princess and the other Zelda games. So it's kind of like... Considering that timelines diverged at Ocarina, we're not quite sure whether this is in one timeline or whether it brings the timelines back together again. Hmm. But 
obviously I'll find out more as I go along. Yeah, definitely. But um, when it comes to the Master Sword, obviously I don't know yet, but... Well, the hero has to reclaim the sword. Does that's I can like tell that. you a few things about the Master Sword because I I know about the Master Sword in uh, Breath of the Wild. I bet you do, but I technically don't want to know because I haven't got there myself yet. No, I was going to say, don't spoil it. <laughs> that's, that's a bit mean. <laughs> this is what happens, Iris. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I can. My my assumptions are that you'll get the sword, um, and you'll have to restore it to its full yeah. power. Definitely. You know, in, in in some variety, and whether it's because weapons degrade, I'm assuming this what you know it won't do because it's the you know it's, it's the, the, it's the weapon, yeah. yeah. Unless it, yeah. unless it, I, I can confirm, it is unbreakable. Cool. However, yeah. Um, one interesting thing about the Master Sword, mm-hmm. it's it's a really really strong weapon, but it actually won't do you much good unless you're fighting the calamity. Oh, interesting. It's it's the weapon of evil's bane, so I suppose it's only going to do its job against that. Hmm. Yeah, and it it doesn't want to do its job against anything else. It it sort of senses if you're using it when you don't need to. <laughs> That's the sort of in-game law. So if you use it against anything against the calamity, it refuses to work for you for a little while because you didn't need it. You okay. had this under control, and you di- you didn't believe in yourself. Well, that kind of makes sense because. In the Skyward Sword, the weapon that eventually becomes the Master Sword is alive, to an extent. It's a race of sentient swords. creatures. Yeah, swords, essentially. It's the Goddess Sword at the start of Wind Waker, and eventually, uh, Wind Waker, Skyward Sword, and eventually it becomes the Master Sword that we all know. Um, But yeah, it's, it's alive, to an extent. So that makes sense that it might not want to do the things you ask it to do. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I won't spoil anything else about the Master Sword, but it is unbreakable. No, that's that's actually quite interesting to find out. And um, it wants to be used against the Calamity and not against anything else. Okay, then. It's like my sole purpose is for this. You will not use me for anything else. Well, that's cool, because then you're not being deprived throwing other weapons into the faces. No, indeed. Because yeah. <laughs> that... Also, I love doing because that. it's open world, you can find it a lot sooner than you can have it. Oh god, um, someone's already completed the game within forty-five minutes. I think it is. Yeah, in in something that we've not seen since Morrowind, this is yes. an open world game that doesn't have those moments of oh, I bet I could get up there if I had equipment X. I'll come back here when I have equipment X and get up there. No, you can just go straight to Ganondorf if you know where he is. That's nuts. <laughs> I'm just imagining like a player who's just like, alright, I know what I'm doing now. Just stepping out into the middle of the wild and being just like, alright, Ganondorf, bring it on, you giant piggy wuss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. That'd be really funny. And then you could, I guess, make, you might be able to beat him, but I reckon it'd be really hard if you hadn't got all your It is really hard, because you've got three hearts when you start. Yeah, and classic. The thing is, the the classic way of getting hearts in the in Zelda is obviously to collect heart containers, uh, pieces of heart containers. That doesn't happen in this one. The way to increase your hearts in this game is to complete the mini shrines. 
from completing many shrines, you receive uh, a spirit ball from the the head of the <coughs> of the trial. And f once you collect four of those, you can offer them up to the goddesses for a new heart container, or more stamina for your stamina bar. So you have to make a choice: do you want more health or more stamina? Because stamina is not just used for climbing, it's used for and swimming, it's used for using your combat abilities. So if you want to do, you know, charge your weapon and do a spin attack or something like that, that costs you stamina. Taking a, a, a blow on the shield can cost you stamina if you want to do it for other bits, and so on and so on. But I found out, as you're going through, you'll meet, and the, like I said, the, 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 when you go to offer the spirit balls... Um, spirit orbs. You go. You generally have to find a statue of a an angel. Showing you what it looks like. Uh, through my journey, I found a statue which were had demon horn, had horns like a demon, and speaking to it, it's like, oh, you can hear me. No one's been able to hear me for a while. Um, I feel you a deal. And he took one of my hearts away from me. So I was like, yeah, I was like, uh, no, I spoke to him again, and he gave it back to me. But he said, here's my proposal. For a hundred rupees, I will take away a heart container or a stamina bar. Your choice. I was like, okay. And for 120 rupees, you can have it back. I was like, right. But you can decide whether you want it to be a heart container or a stamina bar. So it's your way of respecking your link. Because I'll say rupees in this game come fast and quick. They are not hard to get hold of. And spoilers, it's entirely possible to get yourself into a situation where you're going to need to make that deal. Mm. Like I said, I've, I've still... When it comes to storyline, I'm still early game. Yeah, I've been playing it for about, I don't know, 20-something hours so far. No, that's what I want to hear. Like, uh, I really like the idea of it, the open-world sort of Zelda experience. And, uh, yeah, that sounds great, man. It works really well. Put it this way, I now understand Monster Hunter. Yeah. I get it now. I get the way the combat works. It's cut the the turning stuff into clothing or you know into weapons. I get it now. I understand where that comes from. I never really quite got it. I now get it. And uh, another interesting mechanic when it comes to the enemies in this game as well is that um, you know a headshot's a headshot with an bow and arrow. You can take out most enemies and. Uh, most wildlife with a single shot if you get a headshot but periodically uh, at night rather than a regular moon rise you'll get a blood moon rise you'll get a you know blood red moon coming to the sky and that is Ganon affecting the world and when that happens every creature you have defeated in the wilds comes back to life Oh. Yeah. So say you've been and cleared, uh, you've cleared the road 
to Kakariki Village, let's say, of every enemy along the way. And then the Blood Moon will happen and they will all be back. <laughs> and there are also, you know, you've got your standard creatures, you've got your moblins and your boblins and you've got your key, uh, your keys, your bats, and you've got your choo-choo slimes and so on and so on. Uh, your uh, lizardos, which in this game are chameleons, which are interesting because you can actually see, uh, you can, they will actually camouflage themselves in the environment properly so you can't see them. Or for some reason in the snow areas, they just turn white to look like a, a snow uh, a snow lizard or, or version of themselves. So they're not really hidden. But I can see you there. I'm still going to shoot you with an arrow. <laughs> <coughs> but um, you can find like a giant rock monster or a giant um, moblin type character. And they work... Shadows of a Colossus style, you climb up them and find their weak point. Oh, that's so cool. mm. But the the rock guys will fuck you up because usually their weak point is either on the, the on their top of their heads at the back or on their back somewhere. And it's like a it'll be like a it look like a, a lump of obsidian in a black glass and you just attack that. But they will launch their uh, when you're on in front of them, they will try and launch, throw their arms at you. So just throw boulders at you. If you're running, if you dodge it, and you run to the side that it's of the arm it's thrown, say it's thrown its left arm, and you're running to the left, it will literally fall on its left hand side to get a new arm. And you happen to be under it when it happens, you're dead. Like instant death. No matter how many hearts you are, it's like you've been crushed. That sounds so mega. Mm. Um, Also, with the fairies in this game, they because there's no bottles in traditional sense because you make bottles when you make elixirs all that kind of stuff um, you can just cut the grass, catch a fairy and if you don't use it towards anything, it's a instant revival if you die in classic style, it gives you five hearts and brings you back to life again and I've had situations where I've been shot by one of the robot guys going around his massive laser exploded me into the air, and as I'm falling, the fairy has kicked in and brought me back to life. So as I hit the ground, I get back up and keep running. But you can also use the fairies to make potions and stuff yourself. So you can only hold three of those as well. Where most things you can hold quite a lot of, the fairies you can only hold three at a time. So it's one of the things you have to sort of weigh up what you want to use them for. Do you want to use them for instant revival, or do you want to make a potion out of them? Uh, well, that's very interesting. Uh, I know it's early days, man, but where would you rate this in terms of other Zelda games so far? Oh, man. Um, well, my favourite Zelda is uh, Majora's Mask. A good choice. It, a very good choice. Yeah, it, it's right. You know, it's got all the good bits from Ocarina and more. That's how I see it. A better story, all that kind of stuff. Um, from there, Twilight Princess is up there. Classic Zelda. It's it's up there, you know. It's up there with the best. Huh. And I'm still early game. I've barely met. I've not even met the four clans yet. Uh, 
I know who they are. I know that it's the Gorons, the Gerudo, the Zoras, and strange enough, the Rito, the bird people from Wind Waker. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, they're creepy as hell. Which, which, <laughs> which is what makes the interesting thing of where this fits into the timeline. Because you've got the Zora and the Rito, you there isn't um, the Koriki village, but there are the Koroks, the the plant people from Wind Waker. And a Decatree is there apparently, but he's way up in the north somewhere. And apparently, he's quite young, so it's like, so is this the Wind Waker, is this the Wind Waker timeline or not? Some people think it's the you're playing the grown-up version of Child Link. Potentially. Mm. So it's when it'd be interesting to find out where it officially fits by the end of it. Um And the thing with the switch is that you can take snapshots while you're playing the game very easily by pushing one of the buttons on the Joy Cons. Like all modern consoles yeah. it has a share media button. Yeah. But it's like taking a snapshot rather than having to like double click on here and click this da da da. And um, I found my first great fairy. And for be honest, she's a huge bitch. Nah. As in, she's a giant woman. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I found essentially it was like um like a seed pod, a giant seed pod. And I walked up to it and I was like, okay. And it started talking to me, and it's like, oh, I'm a great fairy, and I've lost my power because of Calamity Ganon and stuff, and all I need is 100 rupees to get me back up and running. And I was like, oh, okay. So I gave her the 100 rupees, and the next thing I know is that the flower explodes, and she sounds like the great fairies from Ocarina. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's like, Oh dear lord! But her yeah, that was always scary. Yeah. Now I don't know if every fairy has a different ability, but this one particularly has ability to through trading some items that you might be, get from like killing monsters or whatnot. She can upgrade your armor to make it stronger, and if you upgrade it again, it adds on an additional stasis uh, buff. And if you wear the complete set. The buff works. So, like, I've also gotten... And the armor's interesting in that, obviously, you can get ones that can help against your cold and all that kind of stuff. I found ones from doing some trials, because you can get chests in the trials for completing them and whatnot as well, which given me... Uh, I've got climbing gear. So I've got a pair of trousers and a, and a top that make me climb faster. So the stamina, stamina still decreases at the same speed, but I actually move faster while climbing. So there is so much in this game, and I've barely scratched the surface. Um, and you've got the Amiibos. Amiibos have different abilities as well in this game. Like uh, the Zelda ones, generally if you use those uh, in the game, it will they'll drop items for you to use, or rupees. Uh, and a chest, and a chest will either have a weapon, a shield. Sometimes it might be a costume, so that you can get 
original Legend of Zelda Link costume from a chest that way. And it might have um, a buff on it of some kind. Uh, if you use the Super Smash Brothers Link amiibo, um, it's a one-time thing per, per player, but it will um, spawn Epona for you. Yay! Awesome. Because you can get you can get horses in this game. You can get as many as you like. They're wild. You just sneak up behind it, jump on it, mount it. Ten minutes, yours. Take it to a stable. You can register it. Pay twenty rupees for a saddle, and that's yours. You can take it as much as you like. I swear, someone's going to end up taking the recording of Irish saying you can sneak sneak up on it, jump on it, ride it, make it yours. Mount it. And yeah. mount it, make it yours. I'm like, someone's going to take that out of context, and you're going to be the next Donald Trump. <laughs> For Zedda characters. Yep. And all I'll say about timeline is I'm I'm no expert mm-hmm. on on Zedla, but I do love reading about games on the internet. And as I'm not worried about spoilers at all, I've been reading a lot about the timeline. Ah. And there is conclusive proof in Breath of the Wild that it definitely takes place at, like, three different points in the timeline. And there is conclusive proof that it definitely can't take place at any of those times. Yeah. (laughs) So, given all this conclusive proof, a lot of people are speculating this is some far-future convergence of the timelines. Well, I was going to say, yeah, surely they'll want to bring it all together at some point. Uh, So... My 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 view that it may be that way seems to be the running theory. Then, yep, that is the running theory because it it definitely can't be any of them, but it definitely has to feature all of them. Yeah, so it's all of them. Interesting. And and as Zoe points out, canon is a joke anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a joke, but I take it seriously, damn it. <laughs> and that's the problem, people take it seriously. Yeah, yeah I don't think... I, I think it's just another another legend on the tapestry that is Zelda. You know, like, I don't think it matters too much. It's just another legend in a big book of legends. Yeah. I think that's all that really counts. Yeah. And as it is, it's the only Switch game I own. So I'm going to be playing it an awful lot. So I can keep updating my finds as I go along. <laughs> Basically, in terms of the timeline, they, they wanted to you know do something different with Zelda. They wanted to switch it up. Ah. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I made a funny... You did, it was good. That's really good. Stole that. Yeah. Oh. It 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 is it is the, the, the device that will be that sells the switch. Like every oh, yeah, this it, is everyone I've app. everyone I've sold, it's do you have Zelda? It's not I won't bother man with that. Do you have Zelda? Well yeah, what else is gonna be the killer app in the launch lineup? It, it's not gonna be Bomber Man. Um One Two Switch is pretty good, but it's your generic party game. So it, I agree with a lot of critics who say that should have been a pack in. Yeah, that should have been in. Yeah, the I like one hundred percent. Yes, I agree with that one hundred percent. That should have been in there. That should have been a given. 
Mm. I mean, Nintendo's reasoning behind it for not packing games with it is the to keep the costs down. But the pure fact you have nothing preloaded on it, no demos, nothing at all. That's a bit weird. It, you know, it's, it's beyond the point, really. You know? And it's got... Now that the eShop's up and running now, and there's a lot... There's more and more getting on there every day, but it's not really a lot of new stuff. It's stuff that's I've been around before, or it's new in the sense of it's also that the the games are also on the PS4 and the Xbox One. So there's a whole bunch of Neo Geo stuff now on there. So you get like Metal Slug and all that. So Irish, as ever, uh, I guess you are continuing to maintain your position on the podcast as the Nintendo correspondent. I am the Nintendo fanboy, yes. Yeah, man. So um, I guess we can look forward to many more Nintendo mm. Switch releases, reviews yeah. from you, man, because yeah, uh, I mean, it's exciting when a new console comes out. Yeah. I mean, Mario Kart's out next month sort of thing, but it's the same Mario Kart that was on the Wii U with some extra tracks, extra characters sort of thing. The oh, okay. Edi- the definitive edition, if you will. Um, the new Mario is out later this year at some point. So that'll be the next yeah, Nintendo one for me. Um, um, and don't forget Skyrim, Irish. You'll totally be playing Skyrim on it, won't you? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> my, my thing is that they haven't Put, they still haven't put any kind of achievement system into the into the Nintendo devices, which I know they don't really have to. But the fact that the Xbox has got achievements and the PlayStation's got trophies, they could have come full on Nintendo with it and gone get your stars. See, you know? to me, achievements still feel like a relatively recent move in gaming, and I just don't really see them as essential. I'm I'm all for Nintendo keeping it pure there, especially we're, we're now at sort of peak achievement era where um, at least one game allows you to buy achievements within game currency. Uh, but then you're... Th- what? That's not achieving... I don't... Wait, hang on, what? Yep, Near Automata lets you buy your achievements oh. within game currency. Oh dear. But the concept is... They're so expensive uh, that to get that much currency, you have to be on like your third playthrough anyway. So the platinum argument is at that point, you've played enough that you probably should have this achievement. Mm. We don't know why you don't, but click this button. Fair enough. (laughs) Okay. But yeah, let that be the death of achievements as far as I'm concerned. They're, they're fine. I think they're nice and all, but to make them this sort of be-all and end-all of gaming as they've become with the, oh, what's what's your gamer score? I no. give a fuck. I don't play a game for achievements. Why don't we do a future episode on achievements then? We've done one on achievements. We, we have. We did a past episode on achievements. We, we, did. Do, it on the, we do it on a retrospective. Okay, we could revisit the topic, I guess. Yeah, and how <laughs> could they urge us to do that? I wonder. Well, if you wanted us to do 
a show about achievements in gaming or any other topic you like, really, you could go to dangerouslyunprepared.com and submit a topic. Do it now. That you would like us to do. Or, in fact, you could look at the list of topics that have been suggested and vote for the ones you do want us to do. Yeah. You could also, absolutely, you could write to us, you know, mail at dangerouslyunprepared.com, or you could tweet us, as in fact uh, Scott John Harrison, one of our long-time listeners, has done, because we said we want to hear about your RPG characters. Oh, wicked. And uh, Scott uh, DM'd me on Twitter, because he couldn't find our email address, to tell me about uh, the city elf he played, who was devoutly in love with the Chantry. Uh, I was expecting the mage characters to try and convince me they were not evil, but they didn't, even when a blood magic NPC showed up and I tried to kill them. <laughs> After getting back to the village and realising I couldn't take out the blood magic user, I went to the Chantry and told them about the demonic stuff. I was immediately put into jail and forced the other characters to kill the Chantry and my character before running away from the village. Excellent. Wow. That sounds wonderful and chaotic. Yep. Uh, that was in the Dragon Age tabletop RPG, and yeah, it sounds great. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, you can get in touch with us on Twitter, where we're Unprepared Show, and we also have a Facebook page, as Dangerously Unprepared. So, we're on the internet, is we what are. I'm trying to say. You can come and speak to us, and we'll say hello. Yeah. Or, or even read out stuff you say on the show. Yeah. Ooh. Come and talk to us. And maybe we'll do your show next. Who knows? Mm. Find out by tuning in next week. But until then, you have been listening to Dangerously Unprepared. I have been Simon. I have been Jack. I have been Reb. And I have been Irish. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. That was a Dangerously Unprepared podcast. Visit DangerouslyUnprepared.com to catch all our episodes and to submit topics for shows you'd like us to do in future. Follow us on Twitter at Unprepared Show. Find us on Facebook as Dangerously Unprepared. Thanks, as ever, go to Simply Syndicated for hosting us, IPI for the original music we based our theme tune on, and to you for listening. We hope you listen again. <laughs>